are now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Wherever you are on planet Earth or the USA, we have information, truth for you from a prophetic perspective. And by that, I mean the perspective of the Word of God as the Word of God, which is truth, analyzes all things. And that means that it's analytical ability, the analytical ability of the Word of God, because the Word of God is created and authored by the infinite personal living God of the universe. The Word of God stands alone. It stands supreme in its ability to rightly analyze data and content and information, and it has no equivalent. It has no parallel in this world or this universe. So if we want the answers regarding something, I mean the real answers, not the answers that are in fashion today, not the answers that are, you know, setting off fireworks today, but the answers that are eternal, because answers that are real, answers that are true, they don't fade away. Something that is true in most circumstance operates as a constant. So, for example, in the current gravitational pull between the Earth and the planets and the Sun and the solar system, etc., in this current solar system, if you try to, in America or any place on planet Earth, if you try to imitate the flight plan or the, the flying actions of a bird, and people have done that. They've stood. I've been up where they've jumped. You go to Midtown Manhattan. You, you go all the way up in a series of elevators, and you, you arrive at the very top of the, one of the tallest buildings in the world, the Empire State Building. And there you are on, on the viewing platform of the Empire State Building, and it's a dizzying height. And you can see, see for endless miles in any direction. You can see, you can't actually see them because your brain and your eyes can't comprehend the magnitude of what you're looking at. But before you visually, due to the height and perspective of the Empire State Building, you are looking down at houses, at skyscrapers, and literally, you know, countless millions of people. I mean, 100 million, 150 million people in, in what's called the tri state area which are the states that include New York and Pennsylvania and uh, New Jersey and, and some of the other states. So actually, it's more than three states. Okay, so, but the foundation that you're on, which is way high up in the Empire State Building, the foundation has to be firm. The foundation has to be true, because if the building was built at an angle, if the building was built and it was tipping, you know, like the old leaning tower of pizza, which which after time, after they built it, it was tipping, <laughs> you know, towards uh, the, the, the southerly direction. And so if you were to stand on the top of the leaning tower of pizza, you would see a false perspective. So the foundation upon what you're standing on means everything when it comes to the accuracy of your perspective. So it's the same thing is true when it comes to science and medicine and DNA and biology and sociology and economics uh, and all these categories of man's information, all these varying categories of man's information um, are only true to the degree that the scientific intellectual foundation 
that they are built upon is accurate, uh, that it is it has been constructed properly and it's true. So take, for example, and we talk about it all the time, the theory, and that's exactly what it is. It has never been proved to be a fact, yet it is taught in the school systems as if it were fact. So you, you have the establishment of a religion, an unconstitutional establishment of a religion in the educational systems of America and around the world. And this unconstitutional establishment of a religion is the unconstitutional establishment of what the Supreme Court of the United States officially categorized um, the theory of evolution as, and humanism and secular humanism, the theory of evolution and secular humanism were, were categorized by the United States Supreme Court as an official religion. So, so humanism and, and evolution has, has been classified by the highest courts in the land as being a, a uh, religion. So, so this nonsense about it being science and just pure science is nonsense. It's a fallacy. It's a fiction. It is one of the biggest con games in the history of mankind. And, and the con works like this. You, you lie by saying you have facts to prove the theory of evolution. But, but in reality, you have no facts to prove the theory of evolution. And therefore, in order to believe in the theory of evolution, you have to uh, suspend your logic, your reason, your, your, your rational ability. You have to throw out all evidence, because if you had any evidence, which and they do have evidence, the problem is all the evidence that they have is actually evidence that puts the nails on the coffin of the theory of evolution, because the evidence that the scientists have to so-called prove the theory of evolution is actually um, um, scientific proof that proves the opposite. Why? Because they have no evidence. It's like if somebody commits a crime, you, in order to prosecute a potential criminal for murder or anything, you've got to have evidence. If you don't have evidence, you can't arrest someone, you can't prosecute somebody for breaking the law. Your opinion means nothing. Somebody else's opinion means nothing. You must have legal evidence, a witness, documentation, DNA evidence, fingerprints, or whatever, uh, whatever actual factual evidence there is. You must supply that. So with, with the theory of evolution... You have, they have collected, scientists have collected over 80 million fossil records. And their hope was that after they collected the 80 million fossil records, was that they could then go to the public and the scientific community and say, hey, we have evidence that the theory of evolution is scientifically a fact. But what they have is they collected 80 million uh, uh, fossil records which is an enormous amount of evidence. But the problem they have is that their fossil record evidence, which is staggering, actually upon examination proves the opposite. Their fossil records, all 80 million of them, don't give us one example or one historical record from the past of anything that remotely 
proves that Darwin's theory of evolution is an accurate depiction of how mankind evolved randomly over approximately 200 million years. Mankind evolved, and mankind went from an inanimate object like a little pebble, and then mankind went into something like a little germ or maybe a little tiny virus or whatever. And then after random chance with no design, no creation behind it, just by pure accident, after 200 million years, um, they have no scientific proof that the origins of mankind um, can be proven to have occurred through random chance over 200 million years. So basically what they did is they found the biggest, most most lethal gun that they could find. I, I mean this metaphorically. The biggest, most lethal gun they could find, which was the 80 million fossil records. And instead of destroying creationism, which they, which was their goal, they, they accidentally pulled the trigger on the 80 million fossil records, and they literally blew to smithereens. They blew their foot off their leg. So in, a, a, in an explosive volume that sounded like a cannon go, going off because somebody metaphorically aimed a shotgun at the foot, they blew the foot off the person that was attempting to prove that evolution was the random product of uh, random chance over 200 million years. So today, we still don't have, we haven't found one piece of scientific evidence. We haven't found one piece of scientific evidence that would prove that Dar- Darwin's th- thesis that the fittest survive and that mankind arose after 200 million years of evolutionary random chance. There is no evidence whatsoever to support that theory. So you ask yourself the question, why then is that the primary theory? In fact, it's the only theory that's seriously taught in the universities, the colleges, the high schools, the Christian schools, et cetera, et cetera. Why? Why do they keep teaching it? Because the real agenda behind evolution has always been from the beginning. It ultimately had nothing to do with, um, uh, you know, a scientific explanation for the origins of mankind. The covert and, and the primary agenda of the theory of evolution, or we could say the, agenda, the real agenda behind the theory of evolution, was to give a frontal assault to the Creator God, capital C, and the Creator God, who is the creator of creation. It is obvious from studying the evidence of the creation that nothing can be attributed to simple simple random chance, and that the creation is impeccable evidence that behind all of life, all of mankind, all of uh, mankind's history, behind all of it, it is obvious that there has to have been a super-intelligent creator God who designed, who planned, who, who uh, 
created man and the universe and, and the molecular structures and DNA and the genetic code and, and the entire thing. So all of creation is, it's provable that all of creation is the product of uh, a, a, a master intelligent design. Now, you can argue whether or not the tele intelligent design uh, comes from the biblical God or the biblical creator. And you might take up an argument that the, the, the that uh, uh, that evolution and the the beginnings or origins of mankind is the product of um, random chance, and you may frame it on the faulty foundation of Hinduism or Buddhism or the teachings of the Kabbalah or the ancient Canaanite religions where they worship pagan gods, or going back thousands and thousands of years into human history, we see today evidence all over the place of ancient super-civilizations that existed before modern and contemporary civilizations. Evidence is exploding everywhere of ancient super-civilizations that existed and flourished a thousand 2,000 years or more on planet Earth. And these super civilizations possessed highly advanced science fiction like technology, highly advanced science fiction like sciences, and a far more plausible explanation for the birth of mankind and the development of all these sciences and technologies and the existences of super civilizations, a far more tangible or plausible scenario would have been if you read the biblical account uh, in the Bible in numerous places, or if you read the extra book uh, of the Bible known as the Book of Enoch, you read that phenomenal historical account of when the fallen angels descended upon Mount Hermon. And when they descended upon Mount Hermon, 200 fallen angels, they, they looked upon human women with physical desire, and they then married human women or had physical relations with human women, and they impregnated human women, uh, even though it was against the commandments of God. And the, the hybrid offspring between the human women that had human female DNA and the fallen angel DNA, when they mated, they produced a hybrid offspring of uh, beings that had a combination of both human DNA and fallen angel DNA. In addition to that, they possessed, the fallen angels possessed a vast array of scientific knowledge, technological knowledge, economic knowledge, biological knowledge. They, they possessed a vast array of super-civilization knowledge, and they gave that knowledge to mankind, to human women, to human men. They gave that advanced knowledge and advanced science and advanced technology to uh, mankind on Mount Hermon. In addition, when you read the Book of Enoch, and you say, well, the Book of Enoch is not officially in the Bible. That's not really true, because the Book of Enoch is endorsed 
specifically in uh, the New Testament. So the book of Enoch is not is not some just you know wacko tangent story. The book of Enoch comes directly. The contents of the book of Enoch comes directly out of um, the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. And the book of Enoch gives us a very detailed account of these 200 fallen angels that descend to Mount Hermon, mate with human women, and give mankind all kinds of highly advanced technology. And the result was that the human females mated with the fallen angels, producing a mixed DNA race or a hybrid race that consisted of the illicit merger of human female DNA and uh, fallen angel DNA. Okay, we're going to crack open the cosmic code of what makes this world work. Because when you have knowledge, you have power. When you have power, you can transform things. And everything I'm telling you, I have documented exhaustively in my books and speaking and ministry. I just didn't, you know, pluck a feather out of my uh, hat and, and, you know, run down the road with this. This is the product of over 45 years of intensive, in-depth, scientific, historical, technological research. And you need to know it. You should never be one of these ignorant Christians, because Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Open it, read it, grab yourself uh, the books like Power from on High, like The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds in the History of the World, like A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, and many other books. Grab those books. that are, They're at a super mega discount right now if you go to paulmcguire.us. This is Paul McGuire. We'll be back in just a moment. Wake up. That's right. Wake up, because many of the people you know are among the walking dead. Isn't there a TV show, an episodic TV show, The Walking Dead? I think there is. It's part of those zombie movies. Many decades ago, when I was first starting out in the feature film business as an executive producer, I I studied everything I could on all different genres of film, especially at the beginning, low-budget films, because it was my hope that, well, gee, I could break into the business if uh, if I could produce and finance and market and distribute a low-budget feature film. And uh, so one of the areas I studied, not because I was particularly thrilled with the genre, was the genre of zombie movies. And so I was uh, participating at a big-time uh, international feature film festival where people, producers and directors and writers from all over the world attended. And I got to meet this very interesting guy. His name was George Romero. And George Romero just happened to be essentially the father of what became the zombie movie genre or and popularized the whole zombie mythology. Now, George Romero also made his first zombie movie to break into the film business. Because, because he was a very educated, very intelligent man. He was a graduate of Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, he had many artistic and creative uh, endeavors. 
he began as a as a, a I guess a pre teenage boy. His first movie consisted of of shooting a black and white film. This is before the days of cell phones and laptops and, and video cameras. Back then, way back then, you had to make movies from film and and basically black and white film. So so. As a very young boy, he climbed to a top of a very tall building in the uh, Pennsylvania area. I think it was Philadelphia. And so he had his assembled his film crew, and they began uh, shooting at night in the dark. And, and in this classic scene, uh, this zombie is set on fire by, by people in, in the town in the hopes that they can wipe out this plague of zombies that are now taking over the taking over the town. And for a black and white movie, I mean, you know, it was kind of terrifying. In any case, they they set the zombie on fire. As the zombie was burning in the night sky, they hurled this burning zombie off the top of this giant apartment building. And and you could see this flaming, it looked like somebody was set on fire, and you could see this flaming mass of what people thought was human flesh burning up in the night sky until it hit the pavement way down below and both exploded and scattered light and ashes everywhere. He captured it on the film. That excited the investors that he was wooing. And when he got the investors excited, they bankrolled his first low-budget film, which was basically the first zombie movie made on record. And the name of that famous black and white zombie movie was called Night of the Living Dead. And it's been copied copied and emulated and ripped off and plagiarized a zillion times under all kinds of names. So what was a kick is 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 the zombie craze is still going on, but what was a kick is I got to sit down and talk to this guy and pick his brain and stuff. And to my surprise, he was far more receptive and intelligent and, and rather deep for, for what you would expect out of a zombie film movie maker. Okay, so Night of the Living Dead birthed the zombie genre. And what is the zombie genre? The zombie genre is more alive today than it ever was because the crack in the reality code that the zombie movies capitalized on is they touched on this nerve that that there may come a day in human society in which uh, human beings will have allowed their DNA and their genetic code to be polluted with something that was non-human or half-human or something that was medically brought back from the dead. And that's what the zombie genre captured. So, so the zombies were like, they were, they were human beings that, that were raised from the dead. And they were like, they were like animals, and, and they were like controlled, and they were terrifying because they drank human blood, and their goal was to replace mankind on the earth. Okay, so now you come to today, zombie movies are still being made, but now the technology, the biotechnology that drove the interest in the zombie movies, we live, literally, I say this a lot on the Paul McGuire Report, we now live in zombie land. You heard about that outbreak. There has been a succession of outbreaks across the country um, that may have consisted originally of one person 
or a whole bunch of people or whatever, and and there's an official medical name for the disease or the, the viral outbreak that has infected them. And these people have actually caught an officially medical diagnosed disease, which turns them into flesh-eating zombies. And most of the time, they can't cure these people because these people are, they, after they get the virus, the zombie virus, they start to eat their own flesh. They begin to eat the flesh of the people around them. And it is a gruesome, grotesque, horrifying sight to watch once rational human beings going absolutely berserk and turn into full-fledged zombies who are fully capable of cannibalism of the worst kind. And yet, <clears throat> secretly, I believe from my own research, that when you see these reports of, like, for example, the flesh-eating diseases, and you see these reports of, of people, because they have some virus, they, they turn into zombies, and they, they eat people alive, and they go berserk, and they rip people to shreds. Well, when you see that, you need to take a pause and reflect. Ask yourself, what is it? Because there's no other time in human history where a flesh-eating disease manifests or a, a, a zombie-producing disease manifests. There's been no time in history except our time where this has proliferated. So what's causing it? Well, I believe what's causing it is that there has been, since the 1940s, a very well-financed, among many of the, nation, the world's superpowers, a very well-financed but very secretive biological warfare program in which the U.S. military, the Russian military, the Chinese military, and, and, and militaries all around the world have been secretly experimenting with all kinds of weapons of mass destruction. So chemical weapons, biological weapons, nuclear weapons, and in the, in the category of biological weapons, they have invented and created diseases in the laboratory that are, that are highly viral, that spread like viruses. They're highly contagious. And if a person happens to contact or, or get a, a zombie-like virus, which is a product of biological warfare experimentation, they go stark raving mad like a zombie, and then they begin to eat people. Now, I didn't invent this as a, as a plot for a movie. This is happening now, and it is the result of secret, not known to the public, biological warfare programs. So, so the, the ambiguous fear that people had when the zombie movies first came out, were not, it wasn't all that weird. People in the know knew that there was a vast array of intensive biological warfare experimentation. And some of that biological warfare experimentation was like biological in the sense that it could give you cancer or give you a heart attack or you'd die from various autoimmune diseases. But some of the secretive biological warfare programs, and I talk about this in my book, you need to read it, uh, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. Some of these secret biological warfare programs, many scientists allege that these biological warfare programs, like the zombie one, were invented in secret biological warfare laboratories 
And you should know that many of these secret biological warfare laboratories are often associated with with giant government-funded major universities all and prestigious universities all across the United States of America. And so when you hear or read about a breakout of, of a zombie virus or a flesh-eating disease, it didn't come from Planet X. It came from tinkering in the laboratory when, when the virus or the biological warfare pandemic accidentally leaked out. This is happening. You, you need to read in my book. If you know somebody or you have, and again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not pretending to be a doctor. I am not giving medical diagnosis. I am not playing doctor, and I'm not giving medical device, uh, advice. That is strictly for qualified physicians and medical researchers. So let me give you a disclaimer. I am not doing that. I'm simply giving you a report on trends and offering up a hypothetical. Okay? So what happened was there many of our soldiers and soldiers across the world, when they fought these desert storm wars, uh, the first one and the second one, when they fought wars in the Middle East and other places, they mysteriously contracted a whole series of deadly diseases that people later found out fit into the category of biological warfare diseases. Now, uh, there's a disease, an autoimmune disease. There's so many of them, it's ridiculous. Lyme disease. This is why you need to read my book, uh, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. Lyme disease, allegedly, I read the, the, the biography, the autobiography that's about 1,500 pages thick. It's a, it's a thick biography written by the, the male scientists and the female scientists who were working allegedly for the government in a secret biological warfare program in secret laboratory locations around the world, which included this strange island uh, off the coast of uh, Boston, off the coast of Maine, you know, out there in the water in the middle of nowhere. And it was near a place called Lyme, Connecticut, where they built a secret laboratory on a secret island. And in this laboratory, they had Japanese scientists and Nazi scientists that were biological warfare scientists. Well, what happened was, uh, during their experimentation with these artificial pandemics, they act, what happened is uh, things like mosquitoes uh, and other insects uh, contracted these biological warfare diseases. And when the winds were blowing in the right direction, these insects that contracted biological warfare diseases, they, they landed uh, on the east coast of America, uh, you know, a long stretch of land in Connecticut, near Boston and other areas. And then people all of a sudden, for no rational explanation or no known medical explanation, began to go to the doctors, and they all reported the same symptoms, fatigue, pain. I mean, you could give a list of 15 symptoms, and people mysteriously began to contract these 15 symptoms. And but it turned out they, they called this Lyme disease because they didn't know what it was. 
and people had to stop working. Some people have never been able to work afterwards. And then they, they tra of course, the government denied that they ever had a biological warfare laboratory off the East Coast, but they didn't have a cure for this, and, and people were suffering. Well, it, it turns out that many doctors allege, including the two doctors who worked on the secret program, that Lyme disease was carried by mosquitoes and other insects across the ocean from a small island off the East Coast and then into city or urban areas uh, right on the coast of the United States of America and began infecting hundreds of thousands of people over a slow period of time with what became known as Lyme disease. And there's, you ha would have to read the details in my book, uh, The Greatest Battle, regarding Lyme disease, because Lyme disease masquerades as so many different things. Um, it masquerades as other things. And then if you, what these scientists said, and I detail this in my book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, the, the, uh, this laboratory began to produce a whole spectrum of what were called autoimmune diseases. And so these doctors allege that many of these uh, autoimmune diseases, never seen before in human history, but can be very deadly over time, have infected millions of people in the United States and throughout the world. Many of them are veterans. And so uh, it's a very serious problem, and it's compounded by the fact that when most soldiers go to see a doctor, that they're told it's all in your head. And then they suffer from all the symptoms and the incredible pain, et cetera, et cetera. So these, these doctors allege, and many other doctors allege, that these autoimmune diseases like Lyme disease, like fibromyalgia, like chronic fatigue syndrome, like Crohn's disease, and you could just go on and on and on. It's a long list. Many mental or psychiatric diseases, that the, that the real roots of all these diseases come from man-made come from the man-made weaponization and artificial creation of, of virulent diseases that were originally created as military weapons, as covert military weapons. So if I knew somebody that had some, one of these diseases, and the list is a lot longer, I have it in my book, than what I just told you, or I knew somebody who had these diseases, I wouldn't be sitting on my posterior picking my nose and allowing them to suffer. I would do my homework. I would do the research that's out there, and I would find out precisely what potential cures or is there a cure for many of these strange diseases, because what they appear to be is artificial pandemics or, or artificial weapons of warfare uh, that are top secret, but very deadly and very dangerous. Get yourself a copy. It's on a big discount right now of my book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in just a second. This is Paul McGuire. Okay, so I have in my hand my book, which you can get on a big discount right now. The name of the book is The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. And I talk about 
many things in the book, and one of the topics in the book that I that I deal with. But let me just read you some of the sub chapter title uh, lines from the Greatest Battle: Nazi scientists, Lyme disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, and autoimmune disease. And then I start by saying, in 1947, the U.S. secretly smuggled into America over 10,000 top Nazi rocket scientists, mind control scientists, and biological warfare scientists. Many times their names were changed, and they were given the high positions at laboratories, universities, think tanks, and other research facilities, which reminds me, I actually basically forgot it, but I just thought about it right now. When I was a young, young boy, Growing up in Jackson Heights, Queens, there were a certain number of friends that I had who were born in America. They spoke perfect uh, American English. But there was always something mysterious or hidden about their fathers. And I didn't know what it was. I was too naive and too young to know what it was. Now, one thing that these, these uh, kids that I knew had in common is that if you really studied their background, uh, Many of their fathers and they themselves, their last names were German. Okay? And another peculiar thing was many of these fathers who were German, they were, it seems like they all had engineering degrees or some kind of scientific technological degree. And they told me some story about how they escaped from Nazi Germany or something. But again, I was young and, 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 was unable at that time to look at the big picture. But I remember one day, the daughter of my friend was really furious at her father and furious at her brother. So what was normally hidden from me came out in the open for a moment. And that was, while she was having a screaming fit of rage, she went up into the attic and got her her father's full German Nazi military uniform with, with the, the sword and the Nazi emblems and stuff. And, and, and her brother was horrified because this was obviously a major no-no. Now, for whatever reason, I was somewhat insulated from this. In other words, I saw it, but I didn't, it, didn't click, uh, it didn't click at the time the very deep implications that, that the father's Nazi military uniform had. Because, you see, I didn't know. Nobody heard of back then Operation Paperclip. But now that I look back decades and decades later, I realize that the father, as well as the father of a, a number of these kids that I knew, that the father was a... Uh, I'm not saying he was a loyal Nazi. I have no way. I, we never talked about it. but. He obviously served, whether it was willingly or out of fear, I don't know. But he obviously served in the Nazi army during World War II. And he obviously must have been part of this Operation Paperclip uh, invasion of the United States. Because at that exact time, when I was his friend, okay, Operation Paperclip began in 1947. So this was, you know, I don't know, about 10 years later. But Operation Paperclip continue to to be in action years and years and years after the initial 10,000 Nazi rocket scientists, Nazi genetic scientists, 
and Nazi mind control scientists were, were secretly smuggled into the United States. Okay. From my book, How, uh, The Greatest Battle. So I write many times their names, the, 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 the German fathers, many times their names were changed and they were given high positions at laboratories, universities, think tanks, and other research facilities. The U.S. government was competing aggressively with Russia and other nations in trying to get the most brilliant Nazi scientists in order to gain military superiority. Perhaps the most famous of all these Nazi scientists was Werner von Braun, the famous Nazi rocket scientist who ended up being the head of NASA and began America's military superiority in the area of rockets, space rockets, and travel to the moon. But many of the top secret operations of these Nazi rocket scientists, which have now been partially declassified through public release of government documents, tells us that these Nazi scientists were involved in mind control operations like MKUltra and biological warfare programs. Wow. See, we didn't know that back then. You couldn't get that information anywhere. Now, um, in my book, I also talk about how Nazi scientists were developing bioweapons such as Lyme disease, weaponized ticks on, and I, I said by mistake, Lyme Island. That was incorrect, forgive me. They were developing weaponized uh, ticks and insects on the island that was really named Plum Island and many other islands. So on secret islands off the coast of the United States, there were secret laboratories where uh, an entire spectrum of auto deadly autoimmune diseases were being developed by Nazi scientists. All secret stuff. So the U.S. and so for those of your friends that are you know like still living in zombie land, you got to remember that in. Uh, um, the U.S. House of Congress on July 11, 2019, the U.S. House ordered an investigation to determine whether the DOD, Department of Defense, experimented with ticks and other insects between 1950 and 1975 to create bioweapons, biological weapons. Smith, who has long history of bringing awareness to Lyme diseases, said he was inspired to pursue the matter after reading a book by Chris Newby entitled Bitten, the Secret History of Lyme Disease and Biological Weapons, published this year. Okay, so what you have to know, and why this is important to you and your family and loved ones and friends, wake up and smell the coffee, number one. Number two is, be aware of the fact that many, 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 a very high percentage of these strange, never-heard-before diseases that are now in an epidemic stage in the United States of America, with with Women being the, the, the victims on a percentage basis far higher than men. And, and these autoimmune diseases are being spread by insects like ticks and, and mosquitoes and, and, and flies and all kinds of things. And it's a, del it's a deliberate weaponization of, it's a, de a deliberate creation, invention spread and weaponization of a whole array of autoimmune diseases. So you may have, you may know somebody who's battling from some mysterious illness and they can never get 
the proper definition from the doctor. They never seem to be able to find a specific antibiotic, or they never seem to be able to discover a specific treatment that has the power to cure the strange, bizarre autoimmune disease. And on top of that, many, many, many times, doctors, medical facilities, etc., uh, there's a, a dangerous percentage of medical professionals and doctors who ridicule, shame, and misdiagnose people with serious autoimmune diseases. And they're told they're crazy. They're told is they need psychiatric drugs. And all of that is BS because they really do have a legitimate disease. But nobody's telling them where the disease came from. All right. Now, from my book, The Greatest Battle, <clears throat> Lyme disease is named after the small Connecticut town of Lyme, Old Lyme, which is located on the East Coast, not too far from a small, small island just off the coast of Connecticut called Plum Island, which was a mysterious government research facility off limits to the public. In, in 1950, a strange disease broke out in Lyme, Connecticut which defied all the medical books and produced strange symptoms, which made it very hard to diagnose. Lyme disease has multiple symptoms, including muscle aches, joint pain, general pain, fever, chills, impaired fogginess and thinking, diminished cognitive abilities, impaired memory, facial paralysis. In bad cases, it can lead to arthritis, nervous system disorders, neuropathy, heart problems, and death. Now, let me just say something about neuropathy and death and immune system disorders and all these strange diseases. And I'm just going to say it because nobody else is saying it. And this is what it is. All, from my research, which is in my book, The Greatest Battle, it's also in my book, Power from On High, what I have discovered is that many of these autoimmune diseases uh, generate considerable amount of intense neuropathy or intense bodily pain, physical pain, and mental pain. The pain is so excruciating. The pain is so off the charts that desperate people have tried every legal possibility, every over-the-counter medicine that they can try. They have tried all these cures and ointments and, and homeopathic treatments and all kinds of stuff, but they're still, their bodies are still in raging pain. Sometimes they can't work. Sometimes they can't function because of the raging pain. So now in today's America, remember, most of what you see on television, if not all of what you see on television, in the news, in the movies, is propaganda. It's the propaganda dressed up as entertainment or news, but it is still propaganda. Notice that about seven, seven years ago, almost to the date seven years ago, notice how all of a sudden our government authorities discovered that Americans were being killed because of a full-blown uh, epidemic of and misuse of pain medications. And so now the big problem, according to some medical researchers and the propagandists, the big problem, the big problem is not what it should be, which is what is generating the pain. How can we cure what is causing the pain? That is should be the focus. 
But instead, the focus is, let's spend all of our time blaming the innocent individual, mother, father, or whatever. Let's spend all our time hunting down anybody who's on pain medication who really needs it. Let's criminalize them. Let's let's demean them. Let's shame them. Let's uh, accuse them of being drug addicts and addicts and addicted. And, and so let's shame them and marginalize them. Now, notice carefully, I'm asking you to take 10 cups of espresso. No, I'm not. I don't want, I don't want you to die. I'm asking you to wake up from your stupor and pay attention to the propaganda cycles that regularly go through our news media. Now you see it in every TV show, every drama, every news thing, every report on some movie star. And everybody is, a, is, a, is an addict of pain medication. Everybody's abusing pain medication. Our biggest problem is pain medication. That is bull. Our biggest problem is what is what is it that is causing the pain? Because if you're if you are proceeding from the false assumption that our biggest problem is the abuse or addiction of pain medication, then obviously what has to follow next, if you're going to use that kind of upside down logic, what has to follow next is we have to round up all the pain medication addicts and get them on some other drug or, or, or some program or whatever. So, so we're no longer searching for the source of the pain and attempting to cure people from the root source of the pain. We're now on an unholy crusade that attacks and marginalizes anybody because of their, of their desperation to stop pain. Anybody who uses pain medication is now inferred through thought control, that they're an addict. They're not all addicts. There may be some. That's the minority. That's the minority. They're not all addicts. That's the minority. A focus should be on curing people from these. Don't you get it? They're blaming the people who are innocent. Think of all the innocent veterans who served our country honorably and loyally just to find out when they get back to the United States of America, they aren't receiving proper medical treatment. They are in legitimate, certifiable, agonizing pain because of what happened to them, getting shot up or who knows else what in these foreign war, wars. They, they managed to get, catch all these strange uh, laboratory-made autoimmune diseases, which pain is a symptom of most of them. They're in agony and pain and all kinds of mental torment. How much of their PSTD, their post-traumatic stress disorder, is connected to pain? And so people who take the pain medication are blamed and shamed. And, and uh, you know, if you're just talk to any veteran who has serious, legitimate pain. If he or she goes down to, you know, the, the military medical treatment hospital, the first thing they do is get them on psychiatric drugs and accuse them of making up their pain in order to get pain meds. So we shame them and we disgrace them. That's what's really happening. You know, you can have all the fantasy land stuff you want to. I'm not pushing drugs. I'm not pushing pain medication. Certainly not. But I use my brain for crying out loud. And this is how my brain works, and your brain should work the same way. 
I have page after page in my book, The Greatest Battle and Power from on High, and A Prophecy of the Future of America. I have page after page which shows how all these strange diseases created in military biological warfare laboratories snuck into the general population and created all kinds of horrific pain and biological suffering and arthritis and and all kinds of horrible, afflicting diseases. These people are hurting. Hello? These people are hurting. So if they go to the hospital and they're diagnosed legitimately as having all these symptoms, why not give them the benefit of the doubt since many of them got their legs and their limbs blown off serving our country in some foreign war? Why not give them the benefit of the doubt and spend your budgets discovering what precisely is it that is generating this unbelievable pain and then administer properly properly uh, legitimate pain medication? I'm not tr- talking about giving kids the key to the candy store. I'm not talking about that. But we right now, the balance scale is way off the charts of shaming our veterans that we're supposed to be honoring. Okay, so let me read you just some more autoimmune diseases. Uh, Oh, there's also an epidemic of false uh, negatives because people aren't trained to diagnose properly. So we have an epidemic of different kinds of autoimmune diseases, chronic fatigue syndrome, Crohn's disease, disease, Epstein-Barr syndrome, fibromyalgia, and, and all kinds of arthritis. As to Lyme disease itself, 95% of U.S. cases come from just 14 states centered around Connecticut. Yeah, so you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to figure this out. I'm reading from my book. Despite its severity, doctors and insurance companies have been reluctant to come out and diagnose Lyme disease. Of course they don't want to diagnose it as Lyme diseases. Of course they don't want to diagnose it as any uh, legitimate autoimmune disease. Why don't they want to diagnose it the proper way? Because then they would then the military and the government would be legally obligated to properly treat, cure, medicate and give treatment to our veterans. It's all a legal money thing. The minute they legally diagnose it as an actual disease, especially a disease made in a laboratory, then guess who is going to have to pick up the tab? The U.S. government that sent them over there to begin with. Okay. In many cases, from my book, The Greatest Battle, in many cases, doctors and medical treatment centers try convincing patients they are suffering from imaginary psychological illness and that they were delusional to think there was something wrong with them. That is so cruel. Think about this. That is so cruel. That is so non-Christian. That is so inhumane that you would treat a dog better than you're treating our veterans. They obviously and factually got infected with a military-grade weaponized uh, disease. And there's a whole bunch of them. So these brave veterans got a, a legitimate disease that causes psychological pain, physical pain, neurological pain that is both agonizing and severe. And they suffer horribly. So when they go down to the doctor 
naively believing that they're going to be treated properly, like at the Veterans Administration, they're told that they have a psychological problem stemming from PTSD. Then the administration denies that their many symptoms, including severe pain, depression, and insomnia, may have actually come from diseases. They talk out of both sides of their mouth. However, their actual pain, listen to what what I wrote, however, their actual pain is coming from bacteria that masquerades like a virus. The countless numbers of veterans whose lives have been ruined by PTSD or the high rates of suicide were most likely exposed to biological warfare bacteria released on them during the Gulf War by Saddam Hussein. And then these guys, and and women, by the way, when it comes to fibromyalgia and other things, it's like 80% women contract that versus 20% men. But the suffering is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And these housewives, these mothers, these innocent women, these veterans, these working men, when they go to the doctor, they're told they're crazy. They're told they're making it up. They're lying. They're told, oh, you're just trying to get pain medication. And they're treated like you know what. And I think it stinks to high heaven. And if you're a Christian doctor or a Christian medical professional, I'm going to say a word that some people aren't going to like, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you're a Christian medical professional or a Christian doctor, how in the hell can you live with yourself and look in the mirror when day after day, Men and women show up at the door of your uh, medical facility and are accused of being psychiatrically in need of psych medication, accused of lying just to get pain medicine, accused of being addicts because, you know, you're, you're lying to them and telling them they have an imaginary illness. Do you actually confess that as a sin to the Lord Jesus Christ or you just go along with the game? The countless numbers of, okay, so, okay. Now, here's another chapter from my book, The Greatest Battle. The connections between Lyme disease, weaponized ticks, Plum Island, mycoplasma, and autoimmune diseases. Now, I'm not going to get into all this, but but in my book, I name the actual clinical name of the bacterium which is causing the Lyme disease. And um, a a very highly respected researcher writes that uh, Lyme disease was the result of a biological weapons program that went bad, one in which uh, the, the medical researcher himself participated in. He reveals that the bioweapons research involved using blood sucking insects, not just ticks, which were best but also fleas and mosquitoes as vectors of transmission of human diseases. Oh, my God. I, I, haven't, written, I haven't read what I've written in, in a little while, and I'm stunned at what I have in here, what I continue to say. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Bill Gates goes around the world telling everybody that they need to get vaccinated for COVID. Okay, so here's my question. Did all the people who get vaccinated with COVID, were they better off or worse off? Did they get sicker and die? Or did, they, or did it give them the immunity that it promised them? 
I just ask the trends. I look at the, the superstar athletes on TV. I look at all the famous people who are dying in record numbers. I, I, I just keep my eyes open, eyes wide open, is what I do. And yet, why is Bill Gates down in Florida and South America? <clears throat> and he's, I don't know, what is he buying up? Zillions of mosquitoes, mosquitoes that have been deliberately infected with various weaponized diseases. Because, see, when we know history, then when we look at our present moment, we're not stupid Lego dummies. We can interpret the present moment because we have knowledge, which is power. But if we're going to walk around like professional airheads, good luck. Good luck. Okay, so the past tells us, beginning in the 1940s, laboratories and scientists were gung-ho about weaponizing and inventing very deadly autoimmune diseases. And, and those, those deadly pandemics and those deadly diseases were deliberately infecting American soldiers in the Middle Eastern wars. And then they came back to the United States and, and infected other people. And so now we have a national epidemic of very weird and very funky diseases. In addition to that, we have very funky and weird, never before, never heard of diseases, vaccinations, and all kinds of stuff being promoted by the World Health Organization, being promoted by Bill Gates, who's actually financing it. <clears throat> and people are dropping dead. Children are dropping dead. Nobody seems to care. The media says nothing. In fact, my reward for telling you this will most likely be I will not only be threatened to be taken down from certain major search engines and social media platforms, but based on past, uh, based on the past, when I, when I talked about the truth of these things, I was taken down. And in some cases, I still am taken down from some major social media platforms and search engines. That is the invisible government's way or the system's way of punishing me for not participating in their collective lie. You see, if you're a real Christian, you get persecuted. Their goal is to drive me into nowhere's land. Their goal is to marginalize me, falsify the numbers of people watching and reading and listening to me, their, their goal is to make me appear to create the illusion that I'm irrelevant. Well, if I'm so irrelevant, why do you spend so much time censoring me? Because every time I'll do a program like this, I'll get kicked off somebody. And, 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 let, me, and let me ask you this question. Exactly why is Paul McGuire being kicked off of the biggest social media platforms and the biggest search engines? What actual moral crime did I commit that deserves me being kicked off? I'll tell you what the crime I committed was. I decided to tell the truth. I decided to put my personal safety, my personal prosperity, my personal comfort and peace, I decided to risk it all and tell, so that I could tell you the truth in love so that I could save your life and your family's life. And my reward for that in, in today's American society is I will be secretly punished and very powerful efforts will be made <clears throat> to take me out. And if you think I'm just whistling Dixie, you better listen very carefully to what I'm saying. 
I have not only the computer bot and rigging apparatus going after me, <clears throat> I have them falsifying all kinds of stuff about me. And what they want to do is they want to make it impossible for me to finance, to, to consistently finance what I'm saying, because they want to um, say nobody listens to him. He's irrelevant. So they rig my numbers on purpose. They rig my numbers on purpose. Did you hear what I said? Because they want to make it impossible for me to have advertisers. Well, I don't have advertisers because I basically do everything for free with the exception of books because books cost money to publish. So I'm doing this for free. I'm not doing this to make money. I lose money personally doing this program. Significant money. But you see, my goal is not the money. Never has been. Anybody who knows me can tell you that. But if you don't stand with me, you can kick the proclamation of the truth goodbye, because there's only a small handful of us that are telling the truth. Much easier to sell out. No, but I'm not, but I'm not going to sell out, because I can't sell out. Because I don't know about you, my conscience won't let me sell out. You see, I'll say it again. I don't know about you. I don't know about your pastor or the board that runs your church. Or, or the, the, the leaders in the denomination you belong to. I don't know about them. Okay? But I'll tell you this. It's awfully lonely being me when I look around and I see Christians at your church and the pastors at your church and the, the seminaries in your denomination. I look behind me in the spiritual war, and there's nobody behind me. All these people that you think are so great, that you worship, they're not behind me. They, they pretend they don't know me at conferences. Why? What did I do wrong? I told the truth. That's what I did wrong. I told the truth. And I told the truth in love. And I'm accurate in what I'm saying. I document everything that I've said. So you're going to have to decide whether you want to be on the side of truth or the lie. And guess what, folks? It's going to cost you one way or the other if you want to be on the side of truth. If you really want to be on the side of truth, then you're going to have to step up to the plate, sacrifice, and not pretend like you're asking God what to do, but really ask God what he wants you to do in terms of giving to Paul McGuire Ministries and Paradise Mountain Church. Ask God what he wants you to give or donate financially or how much to give in a contribution. Respond to him when he tells you to pray for me in this ministry. Respond to him when, when I issue a call that uh, I need you to uh, stand with me in prayer and, and help me to win this rigging war. Together we can do it. Together we can do it. I'm going to say something very quick, and most of you are going to miss it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Ready? Those of you that know me know exactly what I'm doing. Those of you that listen occasionally, you're not going to be sure what I'm doing. But I'm going to tell you a very short little fairy, fairy tale. Ready? I made, I'm making this fairy tale up on the spot. Okay, so here it goes. Once upon a time, there was a man, and this man was like other men and women. And in this time, when once upon a time occurred, this man made it his goal, tried his best to tell the truth. Because this man, like you, believed in God, and he believed that God is truth. So when you tell the truth, you're obviously speaking the words of God. Well, once upon a time, this man's words were heard far and wide. 
and millions of people over decades paid attention and had the direction of their life changed because of the words of what he said. But as his popularity grew and as his influence grew, there were people that were jealous, and there were some people who wanted to put an end to anything he could possibly say. These people, the man thought, were invisible because he could never really see them, but he knew they were there, and he knew what their agenda was. Plain and simple, he knew, this man knew, that their agenda was to take him out, to take him down. Now, this man had no intention of being taken down. But once upon a time, on a Christmas Eve, in fact, with the family gathered around and the memory of Christ ringing in our ears, this man suddenly, apparently for no reason, because he was in perfect, 100% good health, it seemed like all of a sudden, from the middle of nowhere, that he dropped dead. And he should have been dead, because people who drop dead generally <laughs> stay dead. He should have been dead. But he had a, a secret force, a secret weapon that was defending him, that his enemies did not count on. And that was the power of prayer. This man was fighting a fight with a large army of people who shared his love for the truth. And these people prayed for him. In fact, they more than prayed for him. They were intercessory prayer warriors. So this man had an invisible supernatural shield of protection that blocked him and prevented him from being taken out for good. What happened was, quite simply, this man was given a supernatural heads-up when a mysterious but very professional-sounding voice gave him 90 seconds worth of instructions concerning what was about to happen to him, literally about two minutes before it did happen. He got a precise plan spoken in his mind. You could say he was crazy, but he's alive. He got a precise plan spoken in his mind, telling him precisely what was about to happen and precisely and exactly what he needed to do to save his life so he could continue on with what he was called to do. So he, in the last 90 seconds that, that he was about to have on earth, did everything in 90 seconds that he possibly could according to what the voice spoke inside of his head. And then instead, instead of dying, as was expected by his enemies, <laughs> he got up again and dusted the, the dust off his shoes and to continue to march on telling the truth. And you say, well, how did that happen? How could that happen? He was supposed to be dead. Yeah, he was supposed to be dead. But the truth that he followed taught all about a man, Jesus Christ, who was God, the Son of God, who was also supposed to be dead. Now, this man was not equating himself with Jesus Christ. He was just using this as a parallel. Jesus Christ was supposed to be dead permanently when he was crucified on the cross. But God the Father, the author of truth, resurrected him from the dead. So he didn't stay dead. He became alive and ascended into heaven. In the same way, because this man loved the truth, however imperfectly, this man loved the truth, and he received what you can receive. It's what the Bible calls the reward of the righteous. And, and David said, and the Bible says, though he slay me, or kills me, yet I will trust in him. An attempt was made to slay him, 
But this man trusted in him, God, Jesus Christ. And though an attempt was made to slay him, he <laughs> resurrected. He was spared death prematurely because the same supernatural power that resurrected Christ from the dead was poured out on his life as a reward for the righteous. A righteousness, by the way, not earned by works, but received by faith and grace in Jesus Christ. That's my poem. I hope you understood the deeper meaning. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us.